Thing, you have to do everything small. Let me give you an example. You want to have a great marriage? A great marriage is built on a lot of small little decisions. You want to be a great parent? A bunch of small decisions that you make. You want to be a great employer, an employee? There's a million small decisions that you make that ultimately will lead you to the great things. You don't become awesome at something without putting the effort in on all the little things. You can't perform a challenging piece of music without practicing day in and day out. That swimming record that you're trying to beat doesn't come without grueling practices and the slight tweaks to your technique. What Pastor Daniel is getting at today is that when it comes to faith, it can start small and grow into something powerful. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 13 as he begins his message, Five Short Stories. Well, I think it's safe to say that we all love a great story. I mean, stories have this amazing ability to grab hold of our hearts, to impact our lives. You look at the popularity of movies or books. There's something about an amazing, amazing story. Now, what's interesting also, though, is that, and I don't know if you know this, but attention spans are quickly shrinking in our culture. You know, there was a time when reading a book, someone would grab an 800-page book and they just read that thing down. And so we live in a day and age now where we're so used to having so much stimulation that they actually say that the average attention span in America is somewhere about 13 minutes. So what that means is that we're all in a lot of trouble. That's what it means. But part of it is like we live in a multitasking culture. And and don't get me wrong. I like to multitask like with the best of them. One of my favorite things in the evening times is to sit down and put some music on. I have a book open on my iPad. I'm watching TV and playing my bass all at the same time. Now, I don't know if I accomplish anything when I do it, but that's how I like to do that. And so I realize it does impact the attention span problem. And so, of course, when you think about our love for stories, and then, of course, attention span problems. It just reminds me of how much we also love short stories, don't we? So the reason I bring up short stories is we're going to close out our legend series. And our legend series has been, we're looking at these parables of Jesus. We've been looking at how Jesus will take these extraordinary truths and he'll place them in the context of these simple stories. And today, to close out this series, I want to share with you five short stories Now, really, these five short stories are going to have three big ideas. So out of the stories, two of them have the same meaning, another two have the same meaning, and then there's one third big idea out of these five short stories. So in order to to break these things open, I want you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be taking verses 31 to 33, and then also verses 44 to 50. Very first book in the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel chapter 13. 
So I'm going to read you the first two of these short stories, and then we'll break it open. So we'll do point by point. And so, you know, it's funny. I decided that because there's three big ideas, I'm going to give you like a classic three-point sermon. Now, if you know anything about sermonizing or pastors' ideas about sermons, they say that the three-point sermon is the best sermon because people can only remember three things out of any given message. So I figured to go along with the short attention span, I'll give you the three-point sermon, and you're all going to remember everything that you've just heard. Does that make sense? Sound good? Okay. Everyone's like, uh, yeah, we'll see. Verse 31 of Matthew chapter 13 says this. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Verse 33, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So I'm going to give you the big idea and then we'll explain the stories and then we'll unpack it for us. And I think this is going to be really important for us because all of these points kind of push against cultural beliefs that our culture has. And for many of us living in this culture, we are adopting But the scriptures are pushing against it. The first one is this, is that small things can have an enormous impact. Small things can have an enormous impact. That's what we learn in these two first two stories. Now, the reason I say it, and I think that it's important, is because we live in a culture where everything needs to be big, right? It's like nobody wants to do the small things. Everyone wants to do the big things. And they feel like if I just get the big thing done, I'm made for the big things. But really, the Bible teaches you actually get to the big things through the small things. Does that make sense? And so what we find right away is that these small things can have an enormous impact. Now, to explain the simplest interpretation of these parables, the first parable, it says that the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and he, and he planted it in his field. And it says that uh, it's the least of all the seeds. So this mustard seed is very small, right? And according to the Mishnah, which is the writings of the rabbis, they would say that out of all the seeds, the mustard seed was the smallest. Now, it's not the ultimate smallest, but in that culture, it was a picture of smallness. And although it was the least of the seeds, it was planted in his field, and it ultimately grew up in such a way that the birds of the air are able to nest in its branches. According to a research from that day and age, a mustard plant can grow from seed to between 6 to 12 feet in one season in that culture. So when you think about it, it speaks of this rapid and excessive growth, so much so that the birds of the air can nest in its branches. Now, when I think about an herb, right, like a mustard seed is an herb, like I think, like I'm at times, I think about basil, right? So you can plant a basil seed and grow a basil plant, but you think a bird can nest in a basil plant? No way, it's it's too flimsy. And so the idea here is it starts small, but it grows quickly, And extraordinarily, so much so that birds can nest in the tree. Now, what's interesting about this is, quite simply, something small can have a huge and quick impact. Now, there's other ways to interpret this parable. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. If you read the other parables, you realize that birds in the parables have a, tend to be a picture of demonic influence. If you remember the parable of the sower and the soils, 
you know, when the word is planted by the wayside, the birds come and take it off. So some commentators would say, actually what this parable means is that when the kingdom of God grows, it grows so big that there's also demonic influences that are pressing on the church. Now, although I don't disagree with that premise, I actually don't think that Jesus meant this because really what scholars do is they use an interpretive principle called expositional constancy which means if it means one thing in one place, then it has to mean that thing in every place. But I actually don't believe that when Jesus was telling these stories, he expected everyone to have a secret decoder ring of all the other things that he said. Does that make sense? So although I believe in the principle of expositional constancy, I don't think Jesus was like, well, if you missed me telling the parable of the seed and the sower over here, then you don't know what this means. So for me, I just wanted to make sure I brought that out because as we look at the second parable now, same idea, there's also, if you're using expositional constancy, you get a completely different interpretation. Because look at the second parable. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So the idea now is that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And a woman took this yeast and she kneaded it into three measures of meal, which would have been the equivalent of about five gallons. And once you put yeast into the flour and the water, all of a sudden, you know, it permeates it, right? Now, once again, I believe the simplest interpretation of this is that you take something small like yeast and you put it into dough and the whole thing gets leavened, right? But if you were to take, if you would use expositional constancy, uh, a, a very well-known interpretive principle, in the Bible, yeast or leaven is a picture of what? It's a picture of sin. Now, what's amazing is it, it is a picture of sin. You might say, well, wait, well, so how do you get that, Fusco? Where does that come from? Well, if you think about what yeast does, yeast in its most simplest idea, it corrupts by puffing up. Now, what's amazing is, is after college, when I was beginning a career in music, I actually worked in a bakery, and I didn't quite sure why, knew why I was doing it. I just knew I needed to pay the bills. But now I realize I worked at a bakery, so I could explain this stuff to you, because I actually experienced this. So I was making this bread at this artisan bakery. And really what happened is, is when you would put yeast into bread, the yeast actually feeds on the gluten and the flour, and it causes it to rise. Now, the one thing that keeps it from rising quickly is cold, so it's actually the yeast with some heat and you put it all together and it rises. Now, if you've ever eaten Wonder Bread, and I know you all have, you ever notice it's like the holes are pretty uniform, but if you ever get like a really good sourdough bread, like a San Francisco sourdough, you ever notice there's big holes in the middle of it? And the reason that happens is, is like Wonder Bread is made with commercial yeast where they just throw it in there and it rises and it works. So everything's uniform. But really artisan style bread, they use a sourdough starter that like where the bakery that I was at, the sourdough starter was like 200 years old. And so what would happen is in the same amount of time, it was so sour from so much corruption on the inside that it feeds on it and it puffs up. Now, what's amazing is, is that's exactly what sin is, isn't it? See, sin, the problem with sin is we are corrupted internally by puffing up because we believe we don't trust God and we can do it on our own. And that's all sin is rooted in. I don't trust God and I can do it on my own, which is pride. That's what it is. It's I know better than God. I'm smarter than God. And because I know better than God, I'm smarter than God. I don't trust God. I'm going to do it my own way. Right. And that's the root of pride. So, but you know what the problem is? If you use expositional constancy here, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like sin. Do you think that's what he means? I hope not. <laughs> that's actually antithetical to the whole message of Jesus. So again, I wanted to make sure I bring that out. But really what the picture is, of course, is something as small as yeast. 
right? If you ever made bread, you just use a little yeast and it ends up permeating the entire loaf. But whereas the first parable, the parable of the mustard seed, it speaks of excessive growth. This speaks of internal transformation. But either way, it's still the same thing. We take a little bit of it and it completely transforms internally so that the entire loaf can rise. Now, to bring it back to the big idea, small things can have an enormous impact. Whether it's a mustard seed that gets planted and it grows so fast that birds have a place to nest, or yeast so small, seemingly inconsequential, that when it's placed within dough, it will completely transform it from the inside. This is the perfect picture of the ministry of Jesus. You realize that, right? Like the ministry of Jesus, Jesus, except for the time his parents took him to Egypt to protect him from Herod, who was trying to kill him as a child. As far as we know, Jesus never left Israel proper. And from a very small, meager beginnings, now 2,000 years later, the message of Jesus and the work of the church has reached the ends of the earth. Right? Something so small ends up having an enormous impact. And I'm here to tell you that really everything in our lives that are of any value, in order for it to have the impact that you want to have, it all begins with small things. And really my encouragement to us as a church family is that we should learn how to go small so that God can go big. See, we live in a culture that loves maximum impact. We want the biggest, the best thing. But in order to get to the biggest thing, you have to do everything small. Let me give you an example. You want to have a great marriage? A great marriage is built on a lot of small little decisions. You want to be a great parent? A bunch of small decisions that you make. You want to be a great employer, an employee? There's a million small decisions that you make that ultimately will lead you to the great things. But the problem in our day and age is people don't find it very sexy or fashionable to do the small things. Everybody wants the big enchilada, but nobody wants to do the little things to get the big enchilada. And what I'm finding is that's true spiritually as well. People want to be just spiritual giants, but people don't want to read their Bibles every day. They don't want to pray. People are like, man, I want to be used of God, but we don't want to worship. See, and part of it is we live in an immediate culture now, and we live in a culture that is bent on entitlement. When you have an immediate culture that's bent on entitlement, and I'm not just saying the younger generation is entitled, because the reason the younger generation is entitled is because the older generation you're entitled to. Does that make sense? So entitlement is the norm. Right? That's American normal ways of thinking. I deserve this. And when that happens, all of a sudden you start to filter that into marriages. It's like everybody's like, I want to have a perfect body, but I want to eat whatever I want. I don't want to work out. Never going to happen. Right? I want to be a millionaire, but I don't want to do any work and I don't want to save. I just want my millions. And, and like, you know, I want a college education, but I don't want to take an exam or go to a class. And so you have all these type of ideas that are going on. But here's the thing. Jesus undercuts that all and just reminds us, listen, you got to do the small things. And if you do the small things, the small things have the greatest impact. Because the small things, and we've been seeing this through the parables, when we're faithful in the little things, then that will lead us to the greater things. And I'm here to tell you that a lot of what you really want out of life, you have to be willing to go small right now. And I think that our culture is not willing to do that. Everybody wants to be recognized and get all the opportunities when they're not willing to be, will I be faithful and trust God in the little things? 
And I think it's so countercultural. Now, what's amazing is, is this pops up also the same idea in Zechariah chapter four, verse 10, where it says, for who has despised the days of small things? Now, in context, in the book of Zechariah, this was spoken to Zerubbabel and the generation that came back from Babylonian exile. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar had completely destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. And so this first generation that comes on back, they begin to rebuild the temple and they're discouraged almost right away. Because not only is everything in shambles, they're getting pressure from the outside. The Samaritans are trying not to get them to rebuild. They're having all these issues and the people are struggling. And then the Lord raised up Zechariah and says, hey, um, don't despise the days of small things. What's amazing is, is later on when they finally got that temple built, the people who remembered the first temple, they were weeping. They're like, this is not even close to as beautiful as Solomon's temple. And then God raised up another prophet who told them the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. Why? Because the temple that was rebuilt under Zerubbabel and those leaders was the temple that Jesus walked into. Jesus, the fulfillment of the temple. The temple was a type and shadow of Jesus. And so the temple that was so much smaller, so much less glorious than what was before was actually more glorious because God had a plan, but it would be so easy to despise the days of small things. Now, let me ask you, brothers and sisters, how are you despising the days of small beginnings? What small things are you neglecting right now because your eyes are focused on something bigger when really God is saying, no, 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 take your eyes off of that huge thing and I want you to go small. I want you to be willing to do this small thing that seems inconsequential because really what he's saying is, is this is how my kingdom works. My kingdom works because through small things, I can do enormous things. And this is a biblical principle from cover to cover. See, because it's not about what the small thing, it's about the big God who is on the other end of that small thing. That God who wants to speak to us, who says, look, I have things that I want to do in your life, but we wouldn't have known it unless we set ourselves apart to find this thing out. I mean, you look at, here's a great example of this. You want to make sure you leave the legacy you want. You need to begin with your eulogy. What do you want people to say about you when you're gone? See, because here's the thing. If you think at my funeral, at my, the celebration of life in the best case scenario, what do I want my kids to say about me? I guarantee you don't want your kids to say, my dad, he probably would have been a good dad if he wasn't stressed so often yelling at the TV at a football game. I'm pretty sure that's not the testimony you want on your deathbed. Like he really loved the Seahawks, but didn't really love us that much. You know, like that would be a pretty lousy testimony. But guess what? Some of you dads, that's your kid's testimony of your life right now. But you haven't thought about what are they going to say about it? Now, I'm not knocking the Seahawks, even though I am a Giants fan. That's a different discussion. <laughs> I just threw the gauntlet down just like that. No one's here to hear the rest of the message. I'm going to bring you back. Pretend like I didn't say it. Rewind the tape, strike it. I didn't say it. But you have to say, like, if you want your kids to say, my mom was such a kind woman, then you have to decide to be kind to your kids today. Whatever you want them to say about you at the end, you have to start today and do small things today. See, because we love big impact, nobody wants to start small. They asked uh, Teresa of Calcutta, who's more commonly known as Mother Teresa. Now, putting theology aside, 
People would ask Mother Teresa, and obviously this is a woman who had tremendous impact. They said, well, you know, how should I go about feeding 100 people? She said, you should just start with just one. And there's such wisdom in that. And brothers and sisters, here's my encouragement. I want you to go small. Be willing to do small things. Knowing that a small thing like a mustard seed, a small thing like some yeast can have an enormous impact. And if you think about from the Bible, Jesus never left Israel. I mean, he chose these 12 apostles who had almost no training other than three years with him. They weren't credentialed. They weren't all that in a bag of chips with a website, you know, peterthepostle.com, you know. None of that. And in one generation, this little ragtag group of people turned their Roman Empire right side up because God can use small things to have an enormous impact. Don't neglect the small things that are right in front of you. Be okay with it being small. Do it as under the Lord and be faithful and see what he wants to do. Now, to get into the next one, so we have these small things can have an enormous impact. Now, if you go on down to verse 44, we'll see our next two stories these short stories, but they have, again, the exact same idea for them. It says, verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Now, the big idea is this, is that you and I need to learn how to go all in when you find it. You need to go all in when you find it. Both of these stories, the story of the treasure hidden in the field and the story of the pearl with the great price tell the exact same thing. In one case, there's a man, he's working in a field. And as he's digging in this field, he ends up coming upon some treasure that's buried. Now, according to rabbinical law of that day, if he would have dug that treasure out and lifted it out, it was automatically the property of the landowner. But as long as it stays in the ground, you know, it's still that landowner, but he can buy it and then he gets the land and the treasure. So this guy's like, man, I found something. This is going to be awesome. So he goes, he sells everything he has. He unloads everything he has so he can buy that field so that he can get the treasure that's hidden in the field. In the same way, the merchant, this merchant, their job was to go find pearls. And he's going around, going around. He finds this one pearl of great price, the most gorgeous, amazing pearl he's ever seen. And what does he do? He goes, he sells everything he has to buy that one pearl. So you see what's going on here. In each case, somebody finds something that is of such supreme value that they sell everything so they can attain that one thing. And brothers and sisters, guess what? You and I need to learn this principle. We need to learn how to go all in when we find it. Now, why do I think that this is important? Because we live in a day and age that has hashtag FOMO, fear of missing out, right? And so what we have is we live in a day and age where nobody goes all in on anything anymore, right? Because God forbid something else comes up. And if I'm all in on this, I can't do that. And so every relationship is non-committal. Or if you are in it, you're really only half in it, but you're still playing the field with the rest of your time. Jesus is 
Something Pastor Daniel touched on today is that small things can have an impact, whether they're good or bad. So, in the case of the mustard seed, like your faith, it could start small and make a huge difference. But when it comes to yeast, which the Bible relates to sin, it can grow and cause bigger problems or issues than you might have predicted when it all started. So what kinds of things do you want to grow? Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will explain the reasons why people get so bogged down by the world and its desires. You see, there's a term, FOMO. It means fear of missing out. This type of disease is running rampant in today's society. It's causing people to be ineffective to do anything purposeful because there's no all-in commitment to anything. You'll hear more about this next time. And you've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Legends. Until then, may God bless.